backroom politics. And good afternoon out there in Radio Land. It is Tuesday, which means it is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics, live from the National Capital Region here in Washington, D.C. Joining me as they do every Tuesday right now, joining me is the former Undersecretary of Commerce who served at last count under four presidents. He is longtime Senate staffer, longtime Washington insider. He's the man that we know as the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. How are you? Hello, I'm fine, Justin. Are you are you uh now the last I checked, neither you or I are under investigation by Paul Manafort, but that apparently is all in DC. <laughs> <laughs> you meant to say Robert Mueller. You said Paul Manafort. I, 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 oh. I, mean, I, meant, yeah, I meant Robert Mueller. It's been a long. My brain is fried. Um, I am Mueller. I, I, I called. I called uh, the co-defendant Secretary Gates earlier. So I've had a long you know, day. I, th- I, I think. Well, and we've had President Clinton uh, announced in the last couple of days too. Um, That's true. By, uh, by Sean Hannity. Um, <laughs> The as far as I know, I'm not under investigation. But if I were, I'll tell you this: if I were in uh, in the executive branch uh, in around the White House, I wouldn't assume anything about uh, about um, being safe these days. Oh no, absolutely not, absolutely not. I mean, and 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 by the way, let's call let's let's kind of fill everybody in uh, on the latest for those who don't know. Uh, it is this town is a buzz about what has happened over the past 24 hours. Let's begin with the the latest. Uh, yesterday, over, over the weekend, it was leaked that uh, Robert Mueller, the special counsel and former FBI director, uh, was going to uh, – had already sought and received indictments against two individuals that were sealed. Uh, the – Monday morning, it was early speculated and then officially announced that the two were, in fact, former Trump executive or former Trump campaign executive and former Washington, D.C. power broker, uh, Paul Manafort, and his business associate, uh, a one Richard Gates. Both were uh, both surrendered to federal authorities yesterday where they were processed. By both federal, by both FBI and Metropolitan PD here in Washington D.C., they were booked, fingerprinted, photographed, and returned to courthouse, where Judge Jackson has placed them both under house arrest, under electronic community monitoring. The bigger breaking news in all of this was was the. Surprise revelation of one George Papadopoulos. Mr. Papadopoulos was a foreign affairs advisor to the Trump campaign, not uh, not or during the time that Paul Manafort was the chief executive of said campaign. And it comes out that earlier in the year, not only had he been charged, had he been indicted, charged, and arrested, but we also find out that he has also pled guilty to said charges. And according to several sources, he is being uber. He is being uber cooperative, is the way one person over at Justice Department put it to me. He is being uber cooperative with the investigation. That's the latest we have now. It is a it is a fluid situation. It is a situation that has got the White House 
not only pushing back, but some in the White House are considering that uh, the president should, in fact, go on the offensive on this. It is politics unlike we've seen in the better part of maybe four decades. Now, that is the latest. Alan Moore, let's get to some of the analysis on this. Let's start with the, the indictment itself. The indictment for Manafort and Gates, they were charged with, with, with 12 charges, including money laundering and conspiracy against the United States. I talked to one law enforcement official yesterday who saw the indictment as it was as they were processing uh, Paul Manafort and, and, and Richard Gates. And they said to me, they said, when you see an indictment paper that says conspiracy against the United States, that's some serious treasonous stuff. It, it, these are serious felonies that these two are facing down. Are they not, Alan? Absolutely. hundred percent. You don't. You, you you don't uh, put somebody under house arrest, take their passport, and make them, in Manafort's case, post a $10 million bond um, if it's not serious. Um, they, uh, they took their passports because these guys have uh, major contact, uh, contacts internationally, and they, they were considered to be flight risks. Um, and... Uh, uh, even though Manafort has made a big point of cooperating from the get-go, uh, it, it's obvious not only from this, but from the from from the uh, the the decision a, a couple of months ago to uh, to enter uh, his uh, Virginia home without any warning to to collect uh, documents, uh, computers, and, and and other records. Manafort. Uh, it looks like uh, in his particular case that a 20-year history uh, of, when he, of moving beyond the U.S. as a political advisor, as a political consultant, into the international world of big money with uh, bosses of questionable repute, whether it's Ferdinand Marcos, uh, in the Philippines, a, a notorious thuggish dictator in an African country, um, the the former head of the Ukraine, um, and not to mention some Russian oligarchs. It's just a, it's been a, a a nasty group of folks that he's represented. He's become very successful right. uh, hey, and Alan, very wealthy Alan, doing it. Yeah, Alan, I got ju- I got to jump in real quick. Uh, we're getting breaking sure. news out of Manhattan, out of New York City. AP is reporting that witnesses say a vehicle drove down a popular bike path in Lower Manhattan, apparently along West Side Drive, which would be right down there by Chelsea Piers, it looks like, and it struck several pedestrians and cyclists. And people are, are they, or police are responding at this time to reports of gunfire. The police department has called it an MCU, which is a code for uh, or uh, a mass casualty event. Uh, that is uh, that is something that we're going to be keeping an eye on here in the next few minutes. That's not a good situation there in lower Manhattan, but I wanted to break in and let you know that that is currently no, an ongoing thank you. situation. It, 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 it's... It... <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a target-rich environment for news these days, and uh, 
and that includes breaking news, uh, yeah, like, like that stuff, or the or the bad storms last night, or or the World Series game the other night. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, good we gosh, got plenty of stuff, stuff to talk about happening all over the place. Um, but this, you know, this, this stuff, the, the Mueller stuff, is really, really serious. the The president was dismissive of the, the the things came out in two pieces. Manafort and Gates came out as one indictment against them both, although they're they're charged somewhat slightly differently, um, because Manafort appeared to be the boss and he got the the greater riches out of the deal. Um, but but Gates clearly, uh, uh, according to the allegations uh, in the indictment, uh, benefited enormously. And the president's response to them right off the bat was, hey, <laughs> old news, that was before they ever worked for me, which was, well, not quite completely true, maybe mostly true, um, <laughs> which which for this president is is you know, not a bad stand is, is better than his sometimes standard um, of, right. of truthfulness. Um, but he's trying to, he, he's, he's still so, so distressed that, that uh, there's all this talk about uh, the Russians and here and, and, and potential collusion. So Manafort and Gates, they're, they're two very different animals. Gates is, Manafort is a known entity. He was thought to be the, uh, the 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 a good chance to be the target of the the uh, the indictment that there are rumors of which uh, this weekend there, they, we didn't know if there would be one or more the the the, the leak was looks like an indictment coming so uh, there he is Gates is not a known entity particularly but Gates came in with Manafort to work on the campaign. As Manafort's deputy, and, and remember, Manafort was a campaign manager. When Manafort stepped down because of clouds over him personally about money that he took from uh, Ukraine, Gates stayed behind. Gates worked throughout the campaign. Gates worked through the inauguration. He was very involved in the inaugural committee. After the inauguration, Gates worked on a uh, on a fundraising pact to uh, to be supportive of the president. So so Gates had a formal role far longer than Manafort. Um, who knows who he was talking to, what he was talking about, and so on. Manafort, it is known, although he stepped down, had become very close to uh, to the Trump children and to Jared Kushner. Right. They, they, they liked him. They relied on him. They thought he was, was hugely superior to the almost forgotten Corey Lewandowski, Corey Lewandowski <laughs> yeah, um, right. who, who Manafort worked alongside for a while. Right. And then, and then they, they got rid of. Um, right. And, and so, so it's not that Manafort disappeared altogether he maintained ongoing conversations right. with uh, with with the, the Trump family that is significant because that is significant. even even though Trump even though Manafort was out of there he right. wasn't entirely gone from the scene and it's Correct. it's possible that Manafort knows things you know it's like what does Manafort have that he could give up well, there's an interesting, there's to an bargain, interesting hint, to, 
Well, there's an interesting take in this that I want to get into with that with you. But also joining us on the line right now, one of the benefits of having high technology is we can't do caller ID, is it's either David Mortlock or Dan Lipner. Who's on the 271 number? You can just refer to me as 24601. (laughs) <laughs> it's Dan Lipner. It's Dan Lipner Esquire joining the conversation. And also joining the conversation, better late than never, is our friend. He is the uh, retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy. He is Admiral Ken Carradine. Welcome back, Ken. Good to be here, Justin. How are you? Hey, fine. Hey, obviously we've kicked off our discussion talking about the latest uh, coming from the <laughs> Russia meddling uh, uh, Mueller investigation with the arrest of Paul Manafort, Rick Gates, and the surprising announcement of the guilty plea by one uh, George Papadopoulos. And it is a mess here in Washington, D.C. Hey, Dan Lipner, let me go to you. Uh, read through the indictment, 12 very serious charges here. Uh, the, 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 the first question I have is the, the conspiracy against the United States. I've been told by some federal attorneys that that is a very broad brush that Mueller is painting with and a very serious charge saying, hey, we've got you dead to rights and we're going to throw the book at you. This is one of the charges that they throw the book at. Is there accuracy in that? Is How serious is this? Well, I had to go into this, and truth be told, I'm still not certain. As far as I know, I haven't really seen seen this in contemporary legal parlance since uh, the Cold War. I think that's where this comes from. Um, Yeah, it's a big deal. When I I saw the headline, I had to look it up to figure out exactly what what this means. You can fire against the United States. Um, It's sort of a big deal. So, yeah. uh, And what the... uh, the, the prosecutor doesn't bring this lightly. So I, it, it's hard for me to see how Manafort isn't in a whole world of hurt here uh, with this charge. But let me ask you this. From remember, legal- remember, 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 let me just clarify on one thing there. Remember that one of, one of the things he's charged with doing is uh, representing a foreign government without registering. And, 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 and not just himself, but setting up a little scheme by which money to be supportive in, the, in America politically of the Ukrainian government was funded through a Belgian enterprise to a couple of U.S. companies, one of which is almost certainly Podesta Associates. Right. So if, if, if you are going to a subterfuge to get around the requirements of the Foreign Agent Registration Act, then right. arguably you are in vile, you are you are committing uh, uh, an act against the interests of America. You're trying to yeah, get around a U.S. law on behalf of a foreign government. And let me just kind of give perspective to our listeners real quick. You're going to hear a lot of references in the coming months of. FARA violation, uh, violations of FARA. 
as Alan pointed out, FARA is the is the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which basically says that if you represent a foreign interest, whether a government, a private company, anything outside the borders of the United States, and you represent them as a lobbyist, a consultant, and you bring the, your their case to the federal government, it is a requirement that you register and report all monies received and all contacts with these quote-unquote foreign agents. Uh, it is something that here in Washington, everybody knows about. Uh, they are very cognizant. They are very weary. It, there's only been eight people that I know of that have been prosecuted under violations of FARA uh, because everybody takes it that seriously. So I wanted to just fill that in real quick. But Admiral Ken, when you see the indictments as far as like money laundering, as far as the fair violations, which are, we just talked about, the money laundering, I mean, th- this was a racket almost that Manafort and Gates had going. Th- this is straight out of Mafia Crime 101. And, you know, and you have to ask yourself what made them think that they could get away with this. You know, one of the things that's happened in the last uh, in, in, the, in the years since since 9/11 is that we have, in an effort to go after the terrorists, really, really gotten pretty good. I mean, we, the federal government, the intelligence services, the FBI, law enforcement, has gotten really, really good at at uh, following the money. You know, terrorism, just like any other uh, enterprise, requires funding. And we've gotten really good at being able to tie people who are doing nefarious things to money that, uh, that, that is not showing up in the balance sheet. You know, if these guys doing this, he's buying a house, but his, his finances say that he's not able to buy this house, where's that deficit coming from? We've gotten really good at that. And for a guy like Manafort, who is not, a, who is not an ignorant person, to uh, think that he could possibly get away with this, um, for even a New York minute, uh, especially you know, um, tied to somebody like uh, President Trump, is insane, and, and it speaks to a level of hubris that that I don't think is even even conscionable by most by most rational people. Uh, Dan Lipner, you agree? I do agree, uh, though Manafort seems to have put the fun in funding as far as this kind of stuff goes based on his spending <laughs> habits, but uh, I, I might be mistaken there. <laughs> Alan Moore? Well, yeah, well, remember, he <coughs> – the charges uh, against Manafort start from uh, from 2012, um, although he started representing some of these thuggish governments uh, back as early as uh, the year 2000. Um, it's not illegal to represent uh, the, these thuggish governments. It's illegal not to report that you're representing them, and it's illegal not to report the income that you receive for whatever work you do for them. It, it, it appears that, that Manafort was motivated by greed. Um, let's get as much money as I can and pay as few taxes as possible. And then arrogance that I'm a smart enough guy. I can set up offshore corporations and do this stuff in a way that, that I can both launder some money that might be coming illegally from these governments. Um, and then in the process, conceal it from the uh, U S treasury and not pay taxes on it. 
um, lie about, apparently, uh, in the, on his tax forms, whether or not he controlled any foreign bank accounts, um, which, in fact, he did. That's one of the charges in the indictment. Um, I mean, several charges in the indictment. Um, so, and then, as Ken points out, the hubris to think that I can get away with this. Well, he's been getting away with it for years, and apparently, according to reports uh, just in recent weeks, um, the, for the, some of his behavior from 2012 to 2014 had been looked at. Um, it, it wasn't closed, but it also hadn't, it hadn't turned into uh, an indictment. So he's, con- he's been continuing to live very well, very high, uh, the irony here is that he decided that he could join the, the, the presidential campaign of Donald Trump and uh, play a very high-profile role um, for some indeterminate period of time. And somehow it would appear thought that he could use his connections to Trump to get even more money. This is this is this is Alan Moore's theory, but it sort of fits the facts um, out of some of these Russians who uh, and, and Ukrainians who had turned against him, who had had second thoughts, right. who, who maybe owed him money. And, and he was trying to get uh, millions of dollars from uh, one oligarch in particular named Deripaska. Um, and so here he's got a whole other agenda. Remember when he worked for Trump on the campaign for the campaign? He did not take a pay a paycheck, so it, arguably he didn't have the same kind of financial conflict of interest that others might have. At least that that would appear to have been um, the rationale. And Donald Trump would have said, "God, what a great guy! He's rich, he's successful, and he's just going to do this for the good of, for the good of the order." Well, it appears that he he had a whole other uh, agenda, which was really about money and 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 maybe some prestige. And power. Um, so he'd gotten away with a lot of stuff for a right. long time, and now it's all collapsing around him. The question for him is: is does he have enough to give, if he's willing to, to spare himself from a long prison term? He's facing well, the- from the from the from the the, the comments I've seen, in, you know, up to fifteen or more years prison. The guy's sixty-eight years old. Not to mention massive fines. Right. Um, well, the, the, uh, the thing about it is, you know, the thing about it that we have to look at is, is not only is he going to save himself, the bigger question that everybody's looking at, I want to talk about that in the next segment, is, is the Papadopoulos effect. That apparently is something that has got a lot of people in Washington nervous. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. I do want to mention this, though, regarding the arrest yesterday. Um this obviously Mueller's got enough uh, enough evidence in his mind, and Mueller's pretty comprehensive when it comes to this stuff. Mueller's got enough evidence right now that he thinks that he could lock Paul Manafort and Rick Gates away for many, many years. Ken Caroline, does does Mueller have enough? Is he powerful enough? And is he good enough? Do you think that he could get Manafort and Gates, either one or both, to flip and turn government's uh, government's witness? Well, I, I, I'm I'm not a lawyer, and unlike Dan, I don't play one when I'm I'm, I'm uh, out in public. Um, 
But based on reputation alone, um, um, former Director Mueller doesn't strike me as the as the kind of person that would uh, would file charges uh, frivolously if he didn't uh, or do it if he didn't think that he could he could actually get these guys uh, get these guys to go to jail. Now, whether they ultimately um, you know play the game and you know decide to to, to flip on Trump for a lesser sentence, I would basically think quite frankly um, uh, that the, the the smaller fish probably will do that before uh, Manafort will um, Papadopoulos uh, Manafort's business partner I would look for those guys to flip and tell everything that they know before I would look for Manafort to do it I think if you if you go back I'm a big believer in body language if you look at the body language that Manafort exhibited yesterday when he was walking into the courthouse and when he was walking out. This is a guy, either he is a Hollywood uh, class, you know, Academy Award winning actor, or he doesn't think he's going to get busted. And if he doesn't think he's going to get busted, he's not going to flip. These other guys, they don't have Manafort's money. They don't have his chutzpah. uh, They don't have his connections. And if they know anything, I guarantee you they're going to sing like canaries. Dan Lipner, you agree? Uh, not only do I agree, it seems Papadopoulos already is singing. Uh, based on what we know thus far, he's already already co- cooperating with the prosecution. So uh, I don't think we know everything that he's dished yet. So, and the question is whether or not Trump makes a move to go down the pardon road remarkably early and to see what happens there politically. Cause I, I, there's more coming and we still haven't heard what uh, happened with Mike Flynn since presumptively there's something there as well. So there are more shoes to drop. So here's, here's the question. So let, me, now. Let, me, let me, let me, let me, let me add something on this. So, go ahead, Alan. So, so as, as, as Dan says, Papadopoulos, has already turned. He's been an active cooperating um, uh, oh, witness yeah. for for six weeks, and there's speculation that he might have even tapped phone calls, worn a wire. We don't know. We don't know. But he has. He is. He's 30 years old. He was a low-level player, um, and 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 yet he was a guy who was in the chain. So was John of, Dean of community. Commu- uh, of of community. He was White House counsel, for God's sakes. Um, he was hardly a small-time player. But 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 uh, uh, what was what 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 Papadopoulos um, uh, does have is he was in the chain of of uh, interaction with um, with with the Russians, um, uh, talking about material they might have that was damaging to uh, uh, to Secretary Clinton. And and the, but the key thing with Papadopoulos is in some of the emails we've seen. That that he was involved in, he was saying he was see, trying to get a meeting with Russians and senior members of the campaign, and was told by, and this was uh, the way it would be reported in the press, senior advisor, uh, good idea, great work, we'll work on that, we we might be able to do something. Who is that? And and those kinds of questions are the, and we don't know how many people um, Papadopoulos was communicating with. Hey, One, Alan. Two, Alan, five. Alan, Alan, I need to jump in real quick. Um, 
continue on the breaking news out of Manhattan, out of lower Manhattan. Uh, NBC News is now reporting six dead, 15 injured along the West Side Highway down between uh, uh, along West uh, along the West Side Highway. Right outside, it looks like Battery Park City and the area where the World Trade Centers once stood. Uh, apparently, a box truck that appears, according to several sources, rented from a Home Depot or has Home Depot markings, went down the pedestrian bike path uh, and just started mowing down people. Uh, several cyclists, several people, but again, NBC is now reporting six dead. Uh, as, as many uh, or as uh, at least 16 others injured in this incident, uh, news is still pouring in from the scene. And I got to tell you something, you know, you know I, I, I know that area and that area is right along. It, it, it's right along the Hudson River. It is yeah. it is a park area. It's an open space. You know, cars zipping downtown, uptown, along the West Side Highway all the time in conjunction with people, you know, with babies and strollers and bikers and joggers and people just sunning themselves along the banks of the Hudson. It it, it really is. uh, It's a favorite spot of mine. It's a favorite spot of mine in that area just south of Chelsea Piers and just north of Battery Park City. And it's so open, you don't think that. You know, when we see what happened in uh, in France and what we've seen happen in London, that happening here, we we see that. And we just don't think what happened, let alone in a space that you know means it, it means a lot to me at least, uh, with my family yeah. being from New York City and all. Uh, but we're going to be continuing to monitor that as well and see how that develops. Uh, that's that. I mean, and again. Right now, New York Police Department nor the federal government is saying that this is necessarily tied to a terrorism activity. There is no news coming of that. We do not know at this time, so I don't want to give any impressions that this is a terroristic act. We do not know. So we're going to keep an eye on that situation as well. So I just want to interject on that real quick. Uh, And, you know, I want to take that opportunity right now. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Sharmila Archari is going to be joining us from New York City. I want to talk to her about the breaking news and everything else. And we'll be back in about two minutes, continuing our coverage on the Paul Manafort uh, and Rick Gates arrests and the Mueller investigation. This is Backroom Politics, the best political talk show you've never heard of on Blog Talk Radio. Stand by. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us.
This is Backroom Politics. And we're back here live from the National Capital Region and New York City. Obviously, this is Backroom Politics, the best political talk show you've never heard of, live on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, it is a busy day here on uh, Backroom Politics, a busy Tuesday. Obviously, we're talking and giving analysis about the indictments handed down by U.S. Special Counsel uh, Paul, uh, the special counsel Mueller and the arrest of former Trump campaign executive Paul Manafort and his business associate, one Richard Gates. We're talking about that, but we're also getting news in right now. Let me give you the latest. Uh, several news, several news agencies are reporting right now that apparently a box truck has run down many pedestrians and bikers along a open space, green space area along the West Side Highway in Manhattan in New York City. NBC News is reporting that there are at least six dead, 16 at least injured at this time. There were earlier reports of gunshots in the area. This is an area that is basically right northwest, just literally catty corner to where the current World Trade Center and the old World Trade Center complex stood at one time. It is just north of a uh, mixed-use, heavy mixed-use area uh, called Battery Park City along the banks of the Hudson River. Sharma Achari, uh, former attorney for Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2016 in Ohio and bar certified attorney in the great Garden State of New Jersey and New York, joins us now. Sharmila, uh, we were talking off, off the air. You work there in Battery Park City. What do you know and what, do you, what are you seeing? Anything? So I'm not seeing anything. I actually work in South Ferry, which is a bit south and east of Battery Park City. And so, and I'm actually trying to, at the same time, trying to find news reports of where exactly the, um, where exactly this incident happened because the West Side Highway is, as the name indicates, all the way on the west side of the island and right on the Hudson River. So right. if that's if if it if the incident happened right off of the West Side Highway, then that's actually quite a quite a distance not quite a distance but a, a good bit away from me, and so I wouldn't be able to see anything from from where so I the, am the, in the office. The the area that they're talking about right now is the area just north of West Street, uh, around West and Vesey, going north. It sounds like to me, knowing the area the way I do, it's south of Chelsea Piers, but north of the residential. It's that. It's that new park complex that the city built along the West Side mm. Highway there between Battery Park. And, and you know the area very well, Mr. Sharma. Go ahead. Is it near World Financial? Uh, north of World or Financial. Or north of that? North okay. of, it, it's okay. that big, huge, open green space. You guys are in the weeds. You, You're in the weeds, I know, guys. I know. No, 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 no. But here's where I'm going with this. How populated is that area, Sharmila? During that time, is it, 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 it? I mean, is there a lot of recreational traffic? I mean, it could. I know it is being very heavily populated, regardless of the time of day. Yeah, generally it's very populated. There's a lot of playgrounds in that area, so a lot of young children are there with their nannies or, um, you know, or their parents. Uh, luckily, it's it's a weekday on you know in the middle of the afternoon, so probably not too many joggers or, or walkers. But it's it's a big tourist area, and there there is going to be significant a significant amount of people there. Okay, okay. 
uh, anyway, we're going to keep an eye on that news coming in right now, and uh, we're going to turn back to the latest. We're talking about the Robert Mueller indictments handed down and the arrest of Paul Manafort and Richard Gates and the surprising revelation of the arrest of a former campaign worker, campaign aide to the Trump campaign, one George Papadopoulos, who has not only been uh, indicted, charged, arrested, and has now, as we found out yesterday, pled guilty to several charges, which are still sealed. We do not know the charges he's been uh, sent down with, but apparently, according to several people I've talked to inside the federal government, he is being, quote-unquote, uber-cooperative with the investigation. Um, Dan Littner, let me go to you on this. And wait, actually, wait, wait, Charlotte, wait, 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 yeah? you interrupted me before. Oh, I'm sorry, I did, waiting. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, sorry. go ahead, Alan. It's all right. Go ahead, Alan. And I'll, I'll try to be brief here. We were, you were the, the question was, are these guys going to flip? When, and as Dan pointed out, and I was just reinforcing the fact, Papadopoulos has already flipped. He has been right. a cooperating witness. We don't know whether he has taped uh, uh, phone calls with other people, uh, possibly worn a wire, lots of speculation about that. But we do know that in some of his emails, he's made references to senior advisors who said when he was urging a meeting with Russians, you know, good idea, or maybe later, that kind of stuff. Anybody who ever had a communication with Papadopoulos during the course of the campaign regarding the Russians would be very wise, and this is the signal from Mueller, to get out front of this and say, hey, I was looking through my stuff. I found this. I found that. I found the other. Because you don't want to you, – you'd like to be in the front of an investigation if you have anything uh, that's going to be of interest. So that's Papadopoulos. Yeah. Um, Gates is the really interesting one because he was around so much longer than Manafort on the campaign. We don't know much about him. He, w- he apparently didn't know he was a subject of the investigation. He was represented yesterday by a public defender when he pled uh, not guilty. He's younger. He's got young kids. Here's a guy who <laughs> is going to be desperate to, uh, to, stay out of j- to stay out of prison if he can um, – disgorge any profits, whatever. He's the guy that Manafort's got to worry the most about because he knows Manafort's secrets. And anybody else that he has dealt with and on any of the Russian stuff, um, Gates is the guy that you're going you're gonna to worry about a lot. Manafort, um, it's not clear what he's got. He may have something on the president, and that would be massive. He may have something on one of the president's children or his stepson that could be massive he may have nothing on any of them in which case he's trying to figure out how to avoid a very long prison term and probably giving up much of his much of the personal wealth that it would appear has been ill-begotten so remember when we talk about somebody flipping we're assuming they know a bunch of stuff they certainly know things but we don't know what they know you know, you to, to flip and get and get a break from the prosecutor. You got to give them something that they care about. Manafort was a big fish. Can he land a bigger fish, or is he sort of the end of the line? We don't well, know here's, that. Here's, so here's the question: is here's the question I go to. Number one, let me, I, I want to go back to this comment about Papadopoulos and and Charmel, Let me go to you. Uh, in some court documents that have been released, Papadopoulos is 
referred to as a quote-unquote proactive cooperator. When I see that as former law enforcement, that tells me that he is either allowing videotape, wearing a wire, or feeding every electronic piece of information he's got from his old campaign uh, his old campaign computers and cell phones, etc. When we see Papadopoulos, is he high enough to where is we're now starting the conga line of people that could be indicted, or is he so low as the Trump administration puts out? He could be so insignificant. This just could be uh, a diversion tactic for Mueller. So, I mean, I had never heard of George Papadopoulos until yesterday. So I don't think that speaks terribly well to his seniority. However, during the campaign, the Trump campaign was so disorganized and accumulated such a motley crew of hangers-on and random people who'd come and present themselves as an expert in this or an expert in that. And they, I mean, the Trump campaign was the underdog for so long, they literally took anyone who came along. So I think that the, you know, in, a, in a, any sort of typical campaign, would George Papadopoulos have been a senior guy? Absolutely not. In the Trump campaign, it's really unclear. One minute they said, oh, he's our newest Russia expert, and we're touting him to the skies. The next minute they say, oh, he was a nobody. He was basically a coffee gopher. So it's, it's, it's pretty unclear. <laughs> and I think that the, the campaign's credibility on these the, and the administration's credibility on this is you know, circumspect at best. Admiral Ken, you know, we also have seen in other uh, court documents referring to Papadopoulos that he was performing this uh, proactive cooperation in advance of his uh, formal plea and formal plea hearing, which should make the White House more nervous, Manafort or Papadopoulos? Which is more dangerous? I I think that if trying trying with a great deal of effort uh, to put myself in the place of the White House, which is not something I would do free, freely, um, I would think, and this goes in line with the comments that I made before, I would be more concerned about Papadopoulos. And, and, and I think Sharmila um, and, and uh, Alan made, made this point earlier. So as far as, as far as maybe the upper echelons, are concerned, this guy was a nobody. But you know, the the nobodies hear a lot because no one pays attention to them being in the room. Um, the nobodies uh, see a lot for the same reasons. Um, and and if this guy truly was trying to make his bones uh, by doing doing what he thought was the campaign's bidding by uh, syncing up um, the Russians uh, or Russian. Um, representatives with the campaign. Uh, I, I think that because he is a nobody, um, the, 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 the scouring through emails trying to figure out if this guy was copied or, or responded to, uh, I think the White House is going, going eight bleep right now trying to figure that out. Dan Lipner, right, and, and to is, Admiral Ken, oh, oh. And to, to Ken's point, sorry, one second. Um, Go ahead. I think that the, the line between somebody and nobody in that campaign was very blurry. So somebody could be nobody one day and somebody the next. There, were no, there was no chain of command the way there was in, in a typical campaign. And so you could be a nobody, but you know, sitting in a meeting or riding in an elevator with Donald Trump Jr. or Jared Kushner, you could say something to them that 
was presumed useful to them, and all of a sudden you were their you were their go to guy. So just because he was a nobody potentially in the entire campaign hierarchy, I think doesn't mean that he didn't have access to important people and he didn't you know share information with them at the time. Well, the, remember remember the purpose of Mueller is to look for collusion with the campaign in Russia. That's why Papadopoulos is important. It, it's, it seems pretty clear. There's been no evidence I've seen to the contrary that he was a that he was a low level guy. But what he was doing was <laughs> trying to collude with <laughs> the Russians, and he was trying to get members of the campaign to enjoy to join in some meetings. And he said, I think they've got material on on uh, on Secretary Clinton. And apparently got a little bit of interest. So even if that's all he did, um, it it could be huge because remember collusion with the Russians is what we're looking at. Um, I, I I I don't think we're going to find he was a senior player, but I think we could find that he was a really really important player at the heart of the investigation, and that's what we're going to find out. We don't know, but that's why I said before. If you if you had if you were on the campaign and you had communications with this guy, you better find that out and you better get that to Mueller well, and not have them come to you. You better well, get we to do them. Know, what we do know right now is is that Papadopoulos has in fact what we know is Papadopoulos has in fact or the the emails between Papadopoulos and Manafort between Papadopoulos and as high as. Uh, Eric and Don Jr., there are communique between those points where Papadopoulos is actively advising senior leadership in the campaign that, hey, the Russians want to talk to us. Hey, we can get stuff on Hillary from the Russians. Justin, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know who he communicated with. That's what we're trying to find out. Well, but but can I just go back a, a step here, uh, Sharmila? You worked for on the Hillary Clinton campaign. How many times did Hillary Clinton ever say your name out loud to the press? Zero. Uh, me working for the Biden campaign also zero. Uh, Alan, I'm going to guess your bosses may have said your name out loud to the press more than a handful of times, and uh, Justin, I'm sure yours have as well. Uh, but Papadopoulos, not well over zero from the now president of the United States during the campaign. So you can't quite call him a nobody. Well, that, well okay, that's just, so look, it's a genuine from the Trump campaign. But beyond that, no, no, but, 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 but <laughs> let's also remember exactly how small the Trump campaign was. For a presidential well, exactly. campaign, yeah, it did not have Alan, many people Alan, working Alan, let him, let him talk. Let him talk, Alan. Go ahead, Dan. No, no, but that, I mean that's my point. This is the, the 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 spin that's coming out of the White House on this is ridiculous. There weren't many people that worked on the Trump campaign, so to suggest that this guy was nobody at all, he was in the room and the guy who's president talked his name, spoke his name, and said he was a senior advisor. I mean, okay, he clearly was somebody in this campaign. Let's be factual, okay? Let's. Let's remember the context in which the guy's name came up. The president was under great pressure to come up with a foreign policy advisory team. He didn't have one. Anybody 
in who'd had a history in the Republican Party who was an expert wanted nothing to do with the Trump campaign. So they go around looking for some guys. They come up with a few guys. The president is in an interview with the Washington Post editorial board, and they're asking him, so who are your guys? Who are your guys? Who are your guys? He says, oh, I got guys. He says, I got a couple of guys. I got whatever the guy's name, Roger Stone, or was it Stone anyway, PhD. And he said, George Papadopoulos, he's an oil and gas guy, great guy. He mentions those two names. And there is a picture of a meeting in which he and a bunch of, he, the president, Jeff Sessions, and a bunch of other people who've not been identified uh, occurred. All I'm saying is he wasn't, he didn't have teams of advisors, but he was under pressure to come up with one. It doesn't matter if he was a big guy or a little guy. If he was a big guy, if this was Michael Flynn, we'd be talking about, yes, that'd be significant. He could be a small guy and still be hugely significant because of the subject matter that he was involved in. He was trying to – he was promoting interaction with the Russians and the campaign but Alan, information about Hillary me, Clinton. Alan, That's Alan, what's relevant me, here. Alan, let me no, no, jump in. No, I know, and you're proving no, my no, point. No, no, but let me jump in. Guys, 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 let me jump in real quick, okay? Because what we do know, okay, this – Alan, you would made the point that we don't know who Papadopoulos has talked to. That's incorrect. We do know. Because what we do know in court documents is that, number one, Papadopoulos had – discussions and direct email contact with uh, former campaign senior person and former radio talk show host Sam Clovis, who, by the way, now is awaiting Senate confirmation as the Department of Agriculture's chief scientist. Don't get that one. But but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You were talking about emails with with Kushner. And, wait, and wait, wait. No, 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 no. no the people I said, said we don't know that. We do know that. What we do know is that we also have the fact that, that Papadopoulos had, uh, according to several reports, this one coming out of the Washington Post, that he had, including Corn Lewandowski, he had uh, emails with, uh, with uh, at least Eric Trump and uh, the campaign chairman, Paul Manafort. That's according to the Washington Post. Okay. It, it, none of it matters in our conversation. We're going to find out oh, all of does. that. I stuff. think it does. No, no, no. I think it does. We're going to because find out. Is, no, I think it does matter in our conversation because here's the problem is if I'm the Trump camp, if I'm the Trump camp, no, no, no. Hear me out here. If I'm the Trump camp. I'm hearing you, I'm, but it's making no sense to me. Why are we wasting why, our time on this? Why, why does it make no sense to you? Because we're going to find out. The fact is, it's the content. And we'll, when we see who he actually communicated with and what people said back to him, if he sends a, a, an email that nobody reads, it's nothing. If people come back to him and say, who are the senior advisor who said, good idea? Who's the senior advisor who said, yeah, maybe we can set something up? That's where it's relevant. And that's where those guys, whoever they are, maybe it's one of the Trump kids. I don't know. Maybe it's Kushner. Um, maybe it's Lewandowski, maybe it's Manafort. Those are the things. Those are the guys that Mueller's after. Those are the guys who need to cover their butts because they're the ones who are now hugely exposed by there is, Papadopoulos. 
there was a comment that was made during reporting uh, yesterday, and it, it, there was an expert that an excerpt that was shown from the, um, the 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 documents detailing the indictment, where uh, one of the people involved in this uh, responded back to Papadopoulos saying, "We need to uh, do this, but we need to keep it a, uh, send a low-level person uh, so as to um, uh, not send the wrong message." I, you know, exactly. I took from that. I took from that that there were they were going to go ahead with this and uh, they were basically doing what they could to cover their tracks. And I agree. And I want to know who those people were and they better come out. Well, I think they are going to come out. I think they don't have a choice. They're going to be found out. The question is, are, once now that Papadopoulos is out there, this is part of the, the Mueller strategy. See, that's all I'm saying. Those guys who are now in that chain with need to identify themselves to Mueller before he comes to before Mueller comes to them. That's all I'm saying. Because they're all exposed. They're all exposed in a in a in a huge way. That's that's where the collusion, the potential collusion comes in. Thinking about it and maybe having a meeting we don't know about. Okay, but here's the question I have, and Dan Littner, I'm going to go to you on this, is this is also now becoming a very broad, bipartisan investigation. We've heard several, we've heard several reports, and it was reported this morning that, in fact, former campaign boss to Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, has resigned from the Podesta group. No, no, the no, company, no, Tony Podesta. brother Tony. Uh, Tony. Tony Podesta, Tony. I'm sorry. Tony Podesta has resigned from the Podesta group, a company that he and his brother had found, as a result of the latest going on with Paul Manafort and uh, with Paul Manafort, Rick Gates, and Papadopoulos. Is this something that the Hillary camp's got to be concerned about? Actually, instead of Dan, let me go to you, Sharmila. Is this something that Hillary's got to be concerned about? I mean, I don't really the connection uh, you know Tony Podesta is John Podesta's brother it doesn't appear that John Podesta had any involvement with the with the company at the time that they were representing this Ukrainian firm so I, the optics are not great you know the la- the last name and such and you know obviously Tony Podesta is also a very significant democratic fundraiser but it's it's interesting that he kind of took this proactive step of just stepping down and you know, before before any real charges or any um, anything more sticks to the firm, and I wonder if it was just him sort of proactively protecting the Democrats and you know and the party because he just didn't want his name. You know, the fa- the faster he could get out and you know get the firm's name changed, the less taint it would impute onto the onto the Democrats. Did does does the dossier issue should that worry? the campaign of Hillary Clinton in 2016? The fact that they funded part of the dossier? Yeah. Um, again, oh. it's... Uh, yeah, I think no, but I think that it's it's a pretty... I, I think it would be more interesting. I think it could be more relevant if the dossier ever became public. Right now, this dossier sort of exists in the in the ethos, it's a myth, just like you know the legend of Sleepy Hollow. We've we've heard of this dossier. No one's ever seen it or really read anything that 
you know, that is proportional. Whoa, 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 so, whoa, 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 sure we have. No, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 everybody, everybody, let, let her finish, and then I'll call on Dan and then Alan. Go ahead. And sure. again, my information could be wrong, but I I always thought that the dossier was not was I mean it's been substantiated, but it it, it hasn't been publicly available. So you know the fact that this this dossier is out there and the Democrats paid for the research I think is less impactful unless the contents are actually made more public and you know people are actually able to read read Dan the Lipner contents fo- and, and decide for themselves if they were damaging. Dan Lipner, follow up on that. Well, so a couple of things. One, I, uh, in, in the interest of openness, I did work with Tony Podesta in uh, in 2004 in Pennsylvania. Uh, at, he 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 helped run the Pennsylvania uh, coordinated campaign for John Kerry. So that I did work with uh, Tony Podesta. Okay. Um, did the Ukrainians pay? As, hmm? <laughs> the Ukrainians go on. Pay no, don't. Don't go down that rabbit hole, Dan. Just let it let it lie. Let it sit out there. Go on, Dan Lipner, please. So, but as far as the the nonsense of who funded the dossier, uh, that's not an issue. Um, the th- that every campaign does opposition research, and the dossier started with a conservative. Backer, and it was rumored to have been the Jeb Bush camp. That's where it started. Uh, but the question is not who paid, but whether or not any of it's true. And we know uh, this is part of the interim uh, attorney general's uh, story on and the FBI that this was brought to the president-elect's attention that, by the way, this is out there and what we, we, we you know, Mr. President-elect, we got your back and we, we want you to know to make sure that this won't be a thing. Um, now, what we don't know is how much is true. Uh, some of the more salacious details that are, to put gently, are icky, um, are tabloid stuff, but then there's other stuff that's rumored to be have connections as far as the Trump funding from unsavory characters around the around the globe for and not 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 necessarily uh, the Trump political interests but Trump's business interests um, where it very well could lead to not just the Manafort world but whether or not the Trump industries had been laundering money throughout throughout the planet. We don't know. But that's that's some of what's rumored to be about this and we don't know how much truth there is. So and that presumably is part of what Manafort is is going through through its methodical process um of his investigation and eventual prosecution. You mean Alan Moore no no Alan Moore does Alan Moore does does the issue with Tony Podesta, the relationship with John Podesta and the Podesta group, does this give the White House a little bit of fodder or a little bit of credibility in their claim that, wait a minute, Mueller might be going outside his scope of investigative authority? No, they want him to, but he won't. So that, that's why the president keeps saying he shouldn't be looking at us. And there was, there's no collusion. He should be looking at that dirty Hillary. Um, it, it, it's just, a, <laughs> it, it's just, a, it's just an effort to, to, to divert um, it's not. It's not in the Mueller chart, charter. It, it, I, I agree with Dan in terms of the the, the dossier. Um, 
it 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 started. It, it it doesn't really matter who paid. The question is what's in it. And we do know some of what's in it, and that was my only argument with Shamala, um, that that it's a lot of the scurrilous stuff of Trump's behavior with with prostitutes and so on that was that supposedly occurred, but that, that for which there's no other evidence. The thing is, it started out by these conservatives who were trying to bring Trump down. It was it it, it was. Uh, um, oh shoot! I can't think of his name. The the well-known uh, uh, conservative thinker on the Republican side, and they were they were so horrified at Trump being a candidate, they thought we need to to do some opposition research for other Republicans. And then when it became clear that Trump was going to make it, they stopped paying for it. And then somehow people in the Clinton campaign heard about it and picked it up, and they put a lot of money—I mean, millions of dollars—into uh, it. Uh, it doesn't sound like they 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 got a lot for their money, but that that happens in campaigns with opposition research, with polling, and and so on and so forth. That it's it's really a sidebar thing that that the president has jumped on because he's trying to say, oh, they were doing this bad stuff. Well, they were doing what, as Dan points out, uh, campaigns do. They do opposition research, and and I think that had their been something to some of these more scurrilous things, um, there would have been some other evidence of it that probably would, would, have, would have come out. It might not have done any harm to the president who seems to have Teflon on so many issues. But, mm. but uh, Dan also points out that, that uh, there, there could be other things that, 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 were, in, that were in the dossier that, that Mueller might be looking at. They're, they're looking at a lot of his uh, corporate stuff, which must be driving uh, him crazy. Um, because if you're talking about collusion and if you've got some uh, relationships uh, in Russia, funding relationships uh, or whatever in your company, um, what do you know, when, when, what do they date back, back to? What's at the heart of them? And, and those, right. those issues are, are all fair game. With regard to Tony Podesta, and I said this at the beginning of the show, but I don't think everybody was on, the, the Podesta thing, it, the, the relevance of it is that it appears now, and, that, and I think his resignation makes it uh, proves the fact that that part of the Manafort uh, uh, bad behavior on behalf of the Ukrainians was to channel Ukrainian money through a Belgian um, nonprofit of some kind that then funded lobbying in America on behalf of Ukraine, both for some uh, a Republican uh, lobbying group and Democratic lobbying group of which Podesta. I mean, they all do bipartisan stuff, but Podesta is mostly a Democratic group. And apparently, Podesta group was taking some of this dirty Ukrainian money and and being the lobbyist in America for these guys. And that was right. all. And that's all going to come out. And Podesta realized that maybe he. He knew more than he wanted to let on and to save the company. This isn't to save his brother. This is to save his company and his investment in that company, which is probably right. worth millions of dollars. He needed right. to step aside. So that's, well, I think, what's behind his decision go. yesterday. So. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. we're gonna yeah, take a, I, we're I gonna agree take a, entirely. All right. We're going to take a break real quick. When we come back, we're going to continue our, our dialogue on uh, the recent indictments coming out of Washington, D.C. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about where does the Trump administration go from here. This is Backroom Politics live from Washington, D.C. and New York City. 
uh, on Vlog Talk Radio. We will be back in two minutes. Stay with us. This is Backroom Politics, live on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. Stay with us. live from the National Capital Region and New York City. Joining me as they do every Tuesday, we have the Honorable Alan Moore, Admiral Ken Carradine, Dan Lipner, Esquire, and joining us from the city that they love so much, they named it twice in New York, is Sharma Achari. And we're going to continue our discussion here on the Mueller indictments. Uh, For those just joining us for a second hour, just a quick recap. Uh, As you know, 
the special counsel, the special counsel to the United States, Robert Mueller, has in fact in, uh, sent down charges, gotten an indictment, and has had arrested the former executive from the Trump campaign, uh, Paul Manafort, and his former business partner, uh, Richard Gates. Uh, right now, Mueller is under house arrest. He is freed on $10 million bond. Gates is also free on $5 million bond and also under house arrest and electronic community control. That being said, now the speculation goes to where does this go from here? Um, does, let me go to Admiral Ken. Ken, does you know we're seeing a public face from the Trump administration, from the Trump White House in particular, and from the president himself in his tweets. Uh, you know, kind of a eh, we don't care. Eh, it's no big deal. This is a witch hunt. In reality, do you get the indication that the White House and everybody in this administration, there's a climate of fear that they could be the next one contacted by Mueller? Well, yeah. Uh, Dana, Dana Bash from CNN reported that, um, one, the president was, was seething. They had to basically you know, do the non-president setting event of hiding his, his phone and um, – um, and other electronic devices away from him, and uh, there, there, and she also reported that there is a general feeling of uh, outright panic going on behind the uh, behind the uh, the big black gates. Um, I think that uh, so much, so much has been um, said, uh, so many lies have been told. Uh, I think that 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 they that they are legitimately afraid of, of what what could have uh, been done um, and, and, and what's going to, what's going to ultimately come out in the press. I think that, that they're trying their best through Sarah Huckabee Sanders to put a, a good face and calm face on it. But I, you know, I got to believe they're, you know, they're literally crapping in their pants right now. Hey, let me go to Dan Lipner. Has, has viewer done a good job of keeping this investigation nonpartisan? Or is that a cloud that's going to hang over it? As far as it being nonpartisan? Yeah, I think it's pretty yeah. nonpartisan. And, I mean, if, if Podesta is, in fact, part of this, uh, it, by definition, it's nonpartisan. And everything that we've seen about uh, Mueller prior to this suggests, and I put him in the Comey category. The guy is bulletproof. As far as the, he's just the real deal. This is what he does. Um, I, I have little reason to doubt his credibility on on the law or the politics of what he's doing. And the fact that there was not just an indictment, but a guilty plea that didn't leak at all suggests he's running a tight ship. The guy knows what can he's doing. Can I add something to that? Yeah, absolutely. Admiral Ken. The, the Trump administration has shown uh, over the, the last year or so just an outright uh, disregard for uh, government professionals. They, they think that, for lack of a better way of putting it, that these are a bunch of clowns who couldn't otherwise get jobs mm-hmm. in, uh, in private sector, so they settle for jobs in, in government. Um, I think it is going – this is coming across to them as quite the surprise that these people are really good at what they do and uh, really good at what they do. And um, 
and and not taking them seriously, uh, and 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 again injecting their own hubris into the into the equation is going to bite them. And uh, if they survive this, um, hopefully there will be some lessons learned. But I I honestly think that that this is uh, I think I don't remember who said it last night. Gloria Borger Gloria Borger said it last night. Um, this is not the end. This is the this is the end of the beginning. This, things are going to go 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 forward from here. So let me ask this question, Sharmila. If I, I get the impression that the Papadopoulos indictment and turning him state's evidence, as, as it appears right now, was a very calculated move. Was the indictment of Paul Manafort and Rick and Richard Gates was that more of a sticking a flag into the ground and claiming his territory, or is this just a logical follow-on line to there are bigger fish to fry? I think it is a sort of principled application of what Mueller was brought in to do, suss out wrongdoing, see if there's enough cause for indictments, you know, Summon a grand jury, issue indictments. It's um, I, I don't know that it's, as you said, planting his flag in the ground. I don't think that he is. I think you know Bob Mueller has really had his his credibility has been pretty uh, unimpeachable, and so I don't think that he is here with any sort of partisan agenda. And I think he's made it very clear that he literally will go where the facts take him. And I think that this is just evidence that. The facts took him to a place where so he you, sussed out illegal activity, and he issued an indictment. So, uh, so let me get this straight: You're, you you don't think that the indictment of Manafort and Gates, particularly the indictment of Manafort, was a shot across the bow, saying, "Look, I'm going to take down, I'm going to go after the big fish, and if you think that you are immune from my investigative capability, you're wrong." I mean, was he sending a statement when he sent down? and went after Manafort directly? Again, I don't think so. I mean, right, the other thing is that, you know, Manafort is different from Corey Lewandowski. I think that Manafort had much more of a semblance of a professional campaign operative, and I think Manafort is much more removed from the Trump uh, orbit than either Corey Lewandowski or Kellyanne Conway, the you know the people who preceded and succeeded him as campaign manager. So I think that. So I I don't know that the Trump administration saw it as a shot across the bow or a threat or some sort of impending danger, because I don't think that they, that Manafort, is, an important part of that organization. And I think even as campaign manager, he was rather shut out from the candidate himself and from the candidate's inner circle. Alan Moore, you agree with that, or, or was was Mueller making a statement with Manafort? Well, I, you, you make it sound like it was some big strategy of, 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 of symbolism. This is not a shot across the bow. This is a shot through the bow. This is a shot into the ship. Manafort was a huge target of opportunity. It was known that he had these relationships with Ukraine and with, with uh, Russian oligarchs. And my God, they'd been, the FBI had been investigating some of this personal stuff uh, for, for a couple of years. So you go, you pick, you pull all that stuff in, you start looking at it. He was the chairman of the campaign 
for several months, and his business partner had be, become his number two in the campaign who stayed on after he left the campaign. So between the two of those guys, they were major players from, I think, April, um, maybe March or April, through to, uh, to the inauguration. So they, they, they were big fish throughout, and, good, and, and goodness knows, look what they found. And you have that information, as Sharmila says, you get it ready for an indictment, you bring it to a grand jury, and, and, and you go public. The, the time frame was very short uh, compared to a lot of federal investigations, and it was able to be so short because so much of the work had clearly already been done in the past. It, it, it is certainly a signal of their seriousness, but nobody doubted that. I don't think there was some anybody sitting around thinking, oh, Mueller, yeah, this is going to be years before something happens. There's always been a state right. of nervousness and concern and agitation and the kinds of people uh, that, that he was pulling on his team. And then you see these weird little things. Oh, some of his people gave money to Democrats trying to discredit him. And it was just it was just laughable because these right. guys are all big time pros. Right. Uh, the, the one, one thing that I, I, I wanted to mention there over the weekend when when the, the the rumor was out that somebody was going to get indicted on Monday, and then there was all this speculation. Gee, is it Manafort or is it Flynn? Those are the two main most likely guys. We didn't know it would be more than one. We weren't even certain it was going to be Monday. And then and then a couple of Republicans said, you know, it's a federal crime. It's a federal crime to divulge activity from a grand jury, and you know that doesn't speak well for for Mueller. My sense is this wasn't the Mueller team. And they can keep a secret. They know how to keep secrets. They're pros. They've been doing this all their lives. And my hunch is that the rumor might have come out of a member of the grand jury. Those are just citizens. Right. And, yeah. and I'm not trying to blame anybody, but the, but the very fact that they kept the entire deal with Papadopoulos a secret for months. Um, oh, that's impressive. Is a, is a, that's impressive. Is a better measure of their ability to keep a secret. Oh, than yeah. the fact that a rumor came out on Friday that there's going to be an indictment coming down right. on Monday. We've got we've got a phone call coming in. Caller from the two two nine area code. You're on with Backroom Politics. What's your question? Um, hello, uh, everybody. Uh, I'm a first time caller. Um, I'm very. Uh, I, I like to think that I'm very uh, in tune to the total situation. Uh, look, I, I like to um, make reference to. Uh, the fact that uh, when President Trump was a candidate, candidate Trump, um, <clears throat> he um, made sure to let it be known that um, that everything was rigged. Um, he was implying that um, the Hillary uh, efforts was rigged. But I think that he was setting the groundwork uh, for some – some, for somebody to start believing that the the system was rigged, um, he also made reference to um, that if I don't win, then I will not accept the outcome of the election. Now, um, your guest just mentioned that um, that politicians and, and 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 government officials themselves. Uh, they know very well how to keep a secret. They've been doing it for years. 
I think the sore thumb is that um, President Trump, once candidate Trump, was new to the arena, right? And had no and had no notion on how to keep a secret, because right. I think that pride and and and, uh, and other things got in the way, right? Um, and so I think that um, he couldn't stay out of his own way in that way, and yep. and um, and I think it's part of the problem. Thanks. Very good. Appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. Keep listening. Uh, I want to go. I want to go to Alan, back to Alan for a second because you know, as we're looking at what is coming through on the White House Twitter feed, out of the press briefings, the oh, it's not that big of a deal. We literally could take what we're seeing now out of the White House and put it back in 1974. Uh, or I'm sorry, in, uh, in 19, uh, 1972, during the initial stages of the Watergate investigation, they called it a, uh, a, a third-rate burglary that they're trying to attach to the White House. Is there an eerie similarity that you're seeing here, Alan, between the Nixon White House and how they dealt with Watergate and what we're seeing now today? With how the Trump administration's handling their issue, you know, you know, I've 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 resisted the parallels, um, uh, partly because it's hard the, not the to see president. it, though, Alan. It's hard it, not it, to well, see it. Are you going to let me answer the question, or did you want to answer for me? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I, I have, I have resisted because the the two presidents are so entirely and completely different. Um, uh, Richard Nixon, the brilliant, knowledgeable, twisted, sick schemer, and Donald Trump, the the arrogant, clueless, uh, historically ignorant um, uh, novice, who is, as this guy, uh, the, the the caller uh, just just pointed out, um, you know, he was so new he. He wanted to blame uh, everybody else. Um, the, 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 the White, so I, the the White House of Nixon and the White House of Trump are very very different. The the sins of the one are very different from the sins of the other. What got my attention though, and what brought my memory back, was looking at the headlines in today's papers of two indictments and a uh, and a uh, and a guilty plea. Uh, for three different guys under investigation for uh, the way this uh, th- this election was handled, um, uh, y- y- one can draw parallels. But I, you know, I lived through that. I was here in town and 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 watched it with uh, with fascination. Um, I, I those guys made horrendous mistakes, but they had massive sins that they were purposefully concealing. I don't know that that's the case in uh, in this instance. I think that that there are some sins, and uh, and I think there's incredible stupidity and an enormous amount of incompetence um, because the 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 people who Trump was able to bring in were not the B, the A team. They weren't the B team. They weren't the B team. Paul Manafort, for all of his brilliance, twenty years ago had not worked in a U.S. political campaign for 20 years. He'd gone off and 
made all of this money in ways that we're learning a whole lot about um, in in foreign countries. Um, you know, a lot of the upper echelon of the White House has had to be replaced. Um, and so, I, you know, it, there are eerie feelings when you see it, when you see the country. Well, I don't know about the country. I don't think the country is consumed. That's part of the, pro, that's part of the issue. The country was right. consumed for parts of Watergate. Um, it, the, the, the news organizations are consumed, and, you know, we're devoting a lot of time to it because it's all happening right under us. And, and you know, we're trying to run a, we're trying to run a country. We, we, we got major international crises brewing um, uh, in North Korea. The president's about to take a 12-day trip to Asia, big high-stakes uh, uh, trip to Asia. There's a big tax bill that's about to be revealed, and it's got a very, very tough road uh, ahead in the Congress. We have to fund government uh, <laughs> in, the, in the very, very near future for the whole next year. Um, we got some judges that need to be confirmed that might keep the Senate in this weekend. I mean, there's there's uh, there's uh, a, a lot of stuff going on. The the new Obamacare signups are are occurring right now. Um, and I think this is why the president yesterday morning when he got up was furious that all of the news was about these indictments. And he gets it in his mind that no collusion, no collusion, no collusion. And then he, and then he pivots to why aren't we investigating um, all the evil Clinton stuff, the, if you will, losing candidate from last year who is, by and large, <coughs> irrelevant. Um, and, so, uh, uh, he, he just can't accept, he can't get out of his own way. Um, and then let this, let, let the, let the investigation run its course, tell his people, if you've got something to hide for God's sakes, let it out. That all assumes that he himself is in fact of clear conscience. And that's one of the things we're trying to find out. Dan Lipner, when when we look at how this is playing out here, uh, Muir, as we discussed before, made a really big shot at the Trump camp with the indictment of Manafort. Is does this stop at the Manafort Lewandowski even you know that that circle? Or does this go deeper into the family circle? Could we see possible indictments from or for a Jared Kushner, a Eric or Donald Jr.? As much as I am loathe to sound like Alan, we don't know. Uh, what I doubt uh, Mueller started with the big fish and is working his way to the little fish. So I'm guessing we're just seeing the beginning. Uh, it could go anywhere. Uh, who would be, I mean, who would be I bigger fish? I talked about this a while ago. Who would be bigger fish? That, well, I mean, the bigger fish, I mean, we're talking about the president of the United States. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. So it doesn't get much bigger than that. And as soon as you have the family involved, uh, the, the, and the family was involved with the campaign, and the rumors of the various different shady business with both the the Trump businesses and 
the Kushner businesses, this could all fall apart in a very big way. I mean, there were also the rumors, it's worth noting, that Mueller supposedly has started to prepare, uh, from the according to the rumor mill, started to prepare in advance to avoid uh, pardon issues by working with the Attorney General of New York, in which case presidential pardons don't play there. There there are different creatures at work here, and I, I... I doubt that Mueller isn't taking his job seriously and preparing for every contingency. So you bring up a good you bring up a good point, Dan, because I want to ask you, and I also want to ask Sharmila, also as an attorney. I'll start with you, Dan. It, 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 it seems to me it looks like that the well, we know that the indictments and the charges were filed here in district court here in the District of Columbia here in Washington. Uh, in fact, we know that. Uh, it was Metropolitan Police Department that processed Manafort and Gates, not the FBI that processed the arrest of, uh, of those two. It, when we see this, in, di- in, the di- in District of Columbia, those are federal charges, even though that they're handled at the local level, those are still federal charges. Can, does Manafort have pardonability right now? Does, Can it, Manafort be pardoned right it, now? It, 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 if they're federal charges, yes, but it's state charges, the answer is no. So, Dan so, is correct. But, right. Keep going. So, so he, he, the president could, could pardon Manafort for the, for the, the uh, Foreign Agent uh, Registration Act, for example, that charge. But he could not, and that was the point Dan was making, um, pardon him for the 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 money laundering um, uh, and and uh, and tax avoidance. I guess he could. He, I guess he could pardon him from a federal tax avoidance charge. That would be weird, but not for well, state no, no. tax where he. But 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 well, but the the, the state of New York can look, no, no, can look at all the money laundering. Remember, he was not indicted in the state of New York. He was. Indicted in district court in the District of Columbia. Those are no, no, federal no, no, charges. No, 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 no. They're 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 federal charges, but they are right. also subject to being to to state crimes, subject to state indictment. The president does not have the power to pardon Paul Manafort for violations of the state laws of New York. And this and the and the what what Dan was saying is that New York is 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 all over some of the Paul Manafort stuff because his biggest house is out in the Hamptons. Um, so are you, are you, and it would be a violation of state law as well as federal law to money launder and not pay taxes. So let me get this straight. Let me, let me see if I hear everybody correctly. And Sharma, I'll jump into you uh, on, on this one as well. Is What I'm hearing is that the charges that were brought before Paul Manafort and Richard Gates, those are federal charges. They were arrested on federal charges. They were processed. They went before a federal judge. Technically, Trump could pardon them right now. What I'm hearing is is that you're saying that Mueller has worked with the attorney general in Albany, in New York, that should he be – should Manafort and Gates be pardoned? at the federal level by Trump under these indictments that the state of New York is ready to pull the trigger on state indictment and state charges? Well, I don't even know if it's that 
if it's going to be that coordinated, but I think to Dan's point, Mueller has been sharing information with the state attorney general, so and you know, enabling him to gather enough evidence to bring us to bring a to convene a grand jury and bring indictments on the state level. But I, I, to to the extent that those two are cooperating, I don't know if that's you know so cooperating Dan, how does that, that or coordinating to that degree. So Dan, how do, how does that? Because to me, that sounds like that by doing so, this would give. Trump some ammo that maybe Mueller is overstepping his bounds. Not necessarily. I mean, prosecutors can work with each other across different venues all the time. I mean, states work with each other. uh, Just state attorney general work with each other when there are crimes between states. Um, And the feds and locals frequently have disagreements as far as how things are going to be handled and a question of double jeopardy uh, in some cases, because you can indeed be tried twice for the same crime, once federally and once uh, locally, if indeed there is co- uh, co-jurisdiction for the issue. So in this case, there, there's a lot of things at play. I mean, most notably, Back during uh, President George W. Bush's administration, the Attorney General of the State of New York took an active lead in prosecuting a lot of the financial crimes that occurred on Wall Street. Uh, and, it, and there was a lot of complaints out there. It's what, part of what made Elliot Spitzer, uh, it elevated him from Attorney General to Governor and then brought down by his own scandal. But one of those things that people were complaining about was why the, the then Attorney General John Ashcroft wasn't doing more since the feds also had jurisdiction. So there are those things at play, and the president doesn't have the ability to stop it. And I suspect the Cuomo administration isn't going to intercede on President Trump's behalf. <laughs> So let yeah, me I ask think, Admiral Ken. Uh, let me go to let me go to Admiral Ken real quick sure, because one of the sure. things I want to I want to ask is from an optics standpoint, you know, if you're looking at this as a Republican, as a hardcore Trump supporter, which we know Admiral Ken is not, but if you're looking at this from an optics standpoint, here is Robert Mueller, which the administration's already said, well, he's already partisan. He's a uh, wholly owned subsidiary of the Democratic Party, and you start working directly with the Democratic Cuomo administration and their attorney general, are the optics on this a danger to the whole Mueller investigation? Does this help the Trump arguments possibly if they go down this they're, route? They're not the same administration. The attorney general of New York run, it is not appointed by the governor. He runs independently. Right, right. But what I'm saying is the also, but also a Democrat. The Attorney General is, although elected, he is a Democrat, if I'm correct, in New York City, or in the state of New York, rather. Is that no? So to, to answer, yeah. yeah, okay. So to answer the question, Ken. So to answer the question, um, so I think that the 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 people who are Trump supporters, and and I had uh, had occasion to speak with one. Uh, last night down here in Atlanta, um, they 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 there's nothing um, that anyone can do uh, to basically move them from the mark that this is all a bunch of BS. 
That's a quote. And that they don't think anything's going to come of it. They think it's a witch hunt and that uh, this is a uh, um, um, this is a, a full-on attack by the Republican establishment and the Democrats to unseat their duly uh, elected president and to keep him from doing what they sent him to Washington, D.C. to do. That's what they think. So you, you know, short of basically calling off the whole Mueller investigation, um, there's nothing that's going to make the optics any worse <laughs> for them than, than, than that. Uh, number two, I use as evidence, General Kelly, someone I have a, a, a diminishing level of respect for. It's not gone yet because he's a good man, um, made the comment the other night that the American people don't care about this event. You know what? He might be right, but I don't think it matters. What matters is the law. And if these guys broke the law and the chief law enforcement officers, uh, people broke the law and possibly the chief law enforcement officer himself break, uh, has broken the law, then in order for us to maintain um, any kind of order in this country, then these people have to be called account called to account by that same law. I don't, I, I, you know, short of, like I said, short of um, Mueller basically saying, you know what, everybody go home, we're going to quit now. There is nothing that you're going to do to uh, to uh, to make the optics of this better for Trump supporters. Charmla, you agree? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I certainly don't disagree with anything Ken said. Okay. That being the case, uh, one last question here is who is, when, when we look at all this, Alan Moore, where does, where does Mueller go from here? I mean, I know it's been, they've done a good job about keeping everything under wraps as you pointed out earlier, the fact that they kept a secret this long about Papadopoulos is nothing short of a miracle in this town, which leaks like the Titanic on a bad day. The reality is, what is the expectation? Where does, where does Mueller go from here now that he has these indictments? So these are, you know, these are the first ones, as we said before, um, a lot of the a lot of the work had been done ahead of time on the Manafort uh, 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 the Manafort stuff. Uh, the Papadopoulos stuff just sort of emerged. Uh, he was caught in lying, and he realized that that uh, that he was screwed, and he decided to plead guilty. He's 30, 30 years old. He's got a long life ahead of him. He hopes. Um, uh, uh, there are other investigations, other lines of inquiry that are underway. Um, probably the biggest one and most significant one is that, that we would be aware of would be Flynn. Um, you know, where's the Flynn investigation? Uh, what might we expect uh, uh, on that front? And then there's this question we've talked now about at some length of the people who uh, feel like uh, they might be exposed from uh, – whether the 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 Papadopoulos um, uh, deal, um, or for that matter, the Rick Gates stuff, um, who's going to come forward to Mueller now and say, "Could we talk?" Because chances are there will be some people who might want to do that. The third the third area with Mueller is so. Papadopoulos, that thing's been going on since July when he was first arrested at Dulles Airport. Who else got arrested in July or August? Anybody? Are there, is there another Papadopoulos out there? 
that we don't know about. We didn't know about Papadopoulos, right? So right. there could be one or two. Alan, or are you three trying to tell us something? No, I'm well. I I didn't. I thought that Justin might want to share that with the group himself, but I wanted to open the door to him to What's be able that? to talk about himself, about you you being the other Papadopoulos. But I didn't. I'm not the other Pop. I'm not the other Papadopoulos. I, Even if I, I was, I didn't want to step on your toes here. <laughs> um, but 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 Mueller's got Mueller's got all these other investigations going on of other people, principally Flynn. But and then and then there's the family. There's the meeting with the Russians, with with uh, Donald Jr., Paul Manafort, Jared Jared Kushner, and you know the the the, the question of big fish. Manafort. They big were just fish. talking about immigrant children, the the children that needed to be adopted. That was the only issue. How could you bring that in, this, Alan? I'm shocked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, unfortunately, that's not what they wanted to talk about. Um, so, so you know, the president's obviously the biggest fish, and I, I don't know that, that. You know, I think let's suppose that the president, um, even if he was in a meeting where there was some collusion talked about, he didn't realize it. Who knows? But right. But but uh, but there are other people who took meetings and who were promoting ideas and, you know, trying to get dirt on, on Clinton and stuff that, that might've crossed over into this collusion area. And if, even if the president, even if there isn't anything on the president, can you imagine the president's reaction? If Jared Kushner comes into the, into focus, if Donald Jr. comes into focus and they were both in meetings, they both, have not entirely clean hands. There's been been reports in recent days or or longer that the president has been urging Jared and Ivanka, and Ivanka to go home, to go back to New York. It's like this is just going to harm you, soil you. Why don't you guys leave? I don't know if that's true, but there've been a bunch of reports <laughs> to to that effect. But but there's plenty of other damage that can be done here that matters enormously to the president. It's hugely distracting to him. And that was the point that I think John Kelly was trying to make that every day they spend lots of time uh, talking about it. It's destructive to the presidency. It's destructive to the country. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nope. But so what are we supposed to do about it? You know, it, it, it's like they, Bob Mueller didn't start this stuff. He's just trying to figure right. out what happened. And the one subject we have not talked about, that we have not talked about, that really, really, really is important here is the Russians were actively, dedicatedly involved in this campaign and may have made the difference. They, they, were, they had millions, hundreds of millions oh. of hits. Oh. With Valiant. garbage posts and right. and, and and this, you know, the it's fine to say, and I have said it, the president got elected, um, uh, fair and square under the rules, but the evidence is becoming overwhelming that the Russians had influence. Will we ever be able to measure it? No, because if if I see 
10 or 50 or 100 um, uh, spurious, bizarre posts or memes or exaggerated things. Um, is it going to affect my vote? <laughs> Who knows? I hope not. Um, one of the big things they were trying to do in parts of the country in highly sophisticated ways was was tamp down voter turnout. If we can, well, if we there, can I mean, there's off, a whole there's a whole show we I mean, can do on just that subject, Alan, because because that's what ultimately this is all about and what we have to care about the most. Well, I um, think more than. More than likely, we'll, we'll probably address that next week only because of the fact that right now or just completed uh, a short time ago was the general counsels from Facebook, Twitter, and Alphabet, which owns Google, were all yep. testifying in front of the uh, Senate committee today. Uh, I, right now, the latest we hear about that is that Facebook has estimated that Russian planted fake advertising could have reached as many as half of the registered voters in the United States, 123 million people. That is a big deal. And I think that that is something that we'll probably attack on a future show uh, down the road, if not do it next week based on everything that we know coming out. Hey, we've got about uh, 10 minutes left in the show real quick. Um, I do have to say one thing. Uh, We do have to say adios to one of the big political shows in the United States, uh, House of Cards. It was announced today that Netflix has suspended all production on House of Cards. Uh, This is following the revelation that actor Kevin Spacey uh, was in fact making uh, inappropriate sexual advances to another actor who at that time states that he was 14 years old in a hotel room in New York. Uh, these are all alleged. We do not know the facts yet. There have been no charges, but it's enough to get uh, it's it's enough to get Netflix to pull what is what has been arguably one of America's most prolific political shows uh, in recent memory. So that's a big deal. The question, I want to go to Sharmila with this. Sharmila, you know, we, we're now starting to see uh, a lot of residual and fallout, uh, and now it's starting to affect here in D.C. Uh, we've seen the accusations against uh, political journalists here in Washington, Mark Halpern, uh, and his issues and his uh, and the accusations against him while he was at ABC. Why is it taking? A Harvey Weinstein and a uh, and and a um, James Toback, a James Toback and that crowd. Why is it now all coming to fruition? What has taken it so long? And 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 why have we not talked about this earlier? Well, I think it's really the perfect storm of changing social changing social norms social media, and just increased transparency for people. I think that, right, I think the revelation of the Harvey Weinstein scandal wasn't so much that, you know, a powerful man was, you know, using his position of power to abuse other people. It was that so many people came out on the record en masse, that so many people were, like, 
really waiting for their moment to be able to talk about this and to be able to talk about it with credibility, right? It was the New York Times. The New York Times doesn't just, you know, except according to our, our president, the New York Times doesn't publish unverified or, you know, tabloid type stuff. The New York Times really fact checks and makes sure that they have a reportable story before they can before they go to print. And so and the fact that you had people people who are everyday names, you know, Angelina Jolie, Gwyneth Paltrow, Ashley Judd, who are going on the record to say that this had happened to them, I think really just opened the floodgates for so many other women to say, it's really okay. Someone's gonna believe me. The you know, the the biggest you know, still to this day, the majority of sexual assaults and sexual harassment, especially that that occur, are not reported, and they're not reported because women fear that they won't be believed. That the only person who's going to be harmed by them making a statement about being harassed or abused is themselves. And so I think that you've got this. We're in sort of this wonderful moment that where women actually feel like they can speak and they can be believed. And that combination, you know, yes, women have had the opportunity to speak up before, but it's that second part that they won't be believed, right? When people, when you think about, you know, accusations of sexual harassment, you think back to Anita Hill and how she was just pilloried and nobody believed her and she, you know, her character was ripped to shreds. And now I think women, women again feel that they can, they can come out and they can make these, they can make these statements of experiences they've had and they're going to be believed. And and I think part of it is also the fact that we have a changing concept of what constitutes harassment or abuse. So right? let me ask you this I question. Let me, uh, yeah. let me, I want to, I want to add something. When, uh, well, okay, so, go ahead, go ahead, Alan, for, real okay. quick. Real yeah, quick. Yeah. So I, 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 I almost entirely agree with Shamala. She, until she went back to her uh, historical link to uh, Anita Hill, where, as you guys know, I was very involved in all of that. Have my own right. view. For me, for me, it's a false equivalency to talk about the charges that she brought forward, what everyone believes about them, and the the Harvey Weinstein stuff. I think a better historical uh, antecedent would be Bill Cosby, where these these women stayed quiet while he could still help them and while it might hurt them and hurt their reputations. And then when he became more more benign they came forward but that empowered i think a lot of women and then when women came forward to it and saw they could knock down harvey weinstein the single most powerful producer uh or maybe last year or two years ago was um uh it, it it was hugely hugely empowering to women and then they just started coming forward and i totally truly agree it's right. way overdue there's this so, massive incredible power well, i, I take exception to that, to alan's characterization that women are you know standing in the wings waiting to take down someone i don't think that it's about that at all right it's about women talking about things that have happened to them right like no woman is standing there saying i can't wait to get harassed so i can take this guy down right that's not no that's no not i don't i didn't mean at that at all so, i did that I didn't mean that impression. I mean, the, the, all I'm saying is that for a woman to come forward in the past, she did it at her peril. She right. it almost couldn't work yeah. for her professionally. Right. These guys owned right. all the held all the cards. They had all the power, and all of a sudden, what what happened with Harvey Weinstein is, hey, guess what? He 
he didn't have all the power. Now, but his just, behaviors were incredibly over-the-top grotesque, and when you look at all of that entire record, it's like, oh, my God, how could this go on for so long? Um, uh, no, it, it, it wasn't that the, that the, that the objective was to, to, to bring him down, but when he went down, then it was like, oh, my God, people will listen, and consequences will be paid. And now you mentioned Mark Halpin. I mean, but let me ask, he's at the let top me ask, of this game. Yeah, but, but and Sharma, I want to ask this question because, I, you know, I, I think that it, it needs to be brought up. The, the issue of, uh, and, I, and I bring this up not saying that I condone, I don't condone, nobody condones sexual harassment. I think it's reprehensible. I think it, 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 it should be prosecuted to the fullest extent. The, the question I have, though, is, is the media riding a very tight line between helping the cause and bringing it to the forefront of social attention and, and shifting social mores? Or, you know, we see these two or now, now four, I think, actresses that have accused former president George H.W. Bush of sexually har- harassing them. I find it hard to believe that George H.W. Bush in a wheelchair could sexually harass anyone. Uh, a man of his character, a man of his, uh, a man of his record, the media pushing that forward. Is that so, a danger to the ultimate cause? I mean, right. I think this speaks to my earlier point of we are changing the definition of what is considered harassment and assault, right? The, I, mean, I read what the stories of one of the women who accused George H.W. Bush, and she said that, you know, he, in a wheelchair, this was, I think, last year or, you know, in the last one or two years, Recently. she, she yeah. met him at some event. He, she, he, she, he asked her to lean over so he could say something to her. He asked, oh, do you know what my favorite book is? Come in closer so I can tell you the answer. She leaned over, and he said, oh, it's David Copperfield, and he pinched her butt, right? That's... You know, some people could say, oh, that is, you know, friendly 90-year-old, you know, guy pinching my butt. Some women can say, I didn't want you touching my butt. It doesn't matter that you're the president of the United States. You don't have the right to touch my butt. And that's Fair not, enough. That's not wrong, right? That's not. Yep. yep. So I'm 100% Absolutely. right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and so I think, I think that it's, it's, it's bringing, and yes, it seems, I think, from the outside, it can seem, you know, upsetting or uh, dissonant that, you know, sexual assault is, on one hand, Harvey, what Harvey Weinstein did, which is literally rape women, and the same term is used for what George H.W. Bush did. But the truth is that they are on that same spectrum. Is, is, is this a matter of that we have to change them? Do we actually have to change what we view as sexual harassment? Yes, I, and I think that's, again, that, that has been part of this conversation, which has been so revelatory for women and that has been so I think again prompted this outpouring I was talking to a good friend of mine who talked about you know an an incident she had at a conference where you know there was a man who was talking to her and she she, he kept touching her not in a you know overtly sexual way but kind of touching her shoulder touching her arm really kind of getting in her personal space and she couldn't really say anything because he wasn't objectively doing anything untoward, but it still made her incredibly uncomfortable and really want, wanting to not be in that situation. And she felt uncomfortable having been put in that situation. And so, but because of this sort of 
And because of this, you know, the hashtag Me Too that's been trending on social media, she felt comfortable at least putting that story out there, whether or not, you know, and whether or not that can be construed as sexual harassment at, in a court of law is a different question. And I don't think she was, you know, thinking about pressing charges, but the truth is that she still felt violated. She felt unsafe and she felt like this contact was unwanted. And that's, I think that's an important, right. that's an important dimension to bring to this discussion because I think before Absolutely. the question was, well, if it wasn't, you know, if you weren't saying like sleep with me or you're getting fired, then it, then it doesn't matter. Then, you know, women just need to suck it up. But I right. think this right. concept that women actually have a say in this interaction and that women should be comfortable too is a really important dimension that has been missing for a long time. Yeah, and we're, we're going to. This is something I think that we're. Yeah, we're, this is something that we're not going to not be talking about here in the future. But you know, with the revelations of, and and it's not just on women. I mean, as we've seen with the Kevin Spacey situation, it, it, men men are subject to it too. Uh, but with yes. that, uh, with that, I, I definitely wanted to touch base on that real quick with the news about Netflix canceling. House of Cards. Uh, with that, we've got about a minute and a half left. On behalf of Alan Moore, Admiral Ken Carradine, uh, Dan Lipner, Esquire, and up in New York, our our good colleague, Charmelin Char- this has been the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Back from Politics Live on Blog Talk Radio. We will be back live next week on the Blog Talk Radio Network, where we will talk about the latest in political news. You can follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash backroompoliticsradio. You can follow us on Twitter at backroompolitics, or you can also email me at uh, justin at backroompolitics.org with your comments, your concerns, or your fan mail. With that, we will see you next week, America. Have a great time. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. This is Backroom Politics.